Chad Siegel. And I'm Vince Lujan. And together we have over 25 years of collective ministry experience in the Christian church. Currently, we're serving at Faith United Methodist near Denton, Texas. We want to welcome you to the TriFaith Podcast. Where you will hear stories of people giving faith a try through their lived experiences and encounters with God that we hope will encourage and inspire you to give faith a try. Welcome back, friends. It's been a minute uh, since we've been able to join you guys, and we are excited uh, to do uh, sit down with another guest. We have uh, Sarah Chambers. Sarah Chambers is awesome because uh, she, I, I know, as a musician and as a hungry musician coming to, to faith at early on Sunday mornings, um, a lot of times she's behind the kitchen counter prepping something awesome for us to snack on. Um, but that's not the only reason she's cool. Like she's a, she's a true fan of music and music gets her excited. And she always gives us a lot of, a lot of great vibes and energy and kind of gets us hyped and psyched in the morning. And I'm excited to sit down and talk with her today. Um, as I know you are, it's going to be a good conversation. Uh, she's let us know about, um, uh, kind of her, her walk a little bit and how it's, it's a really beautiful story of kind of coming full circle, like, you know, uh, intertwining, uh, Judaism with Christianity and, and Christianity with Judaism. It's pretty awesome, right, Chad? It's, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's gonna be great. And, um, you know, Sarah's been a part of our faith community for a number of years. And so, uh, she's definitely a source of wisdom and a resource for us at this church. And we're just pumped to have her get to know her a little bit better. Um, so since we've been away for a little bit, we wanted to kind of update you on where we've been. Um, we weren't just like purposely, uh, staying off the airwaves for a month. Uh, we've been, we've been busy and, um, you know, I'm about to be a dad in a few weeks and, uh, I'm trying to do my homework, prep up and Vince is just smiling with this. I can't wait. Like... I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for you to join the club. <laughs> it's going to be a new and different Chad. I think he's purposely holding back wisdom just because he wants to see me struggle. And I don't suffer. know about that. It's, I don't have much. I don't know. I don't have a lot to share. Uh, he just wants to do see it. Me do what she tells you to do when she tells you to do it. Don't complain, but you seem to do that pretty, pretty great already. Yeah. So. so I've been, you know, I've been telling you guys, I've been a booster for a while. I've just, you know, when Abby needs a boost here and there to get up and do her thing as we're in month eight of this journey. We've been watching some videos and let me tell you guys, I, you know, I never went through like the high school 101 classes where you watch like the birds and get the scarring experience. I got that, birds you know, and the bees. yeah, I got that in the last couple of weeks. Mm. And uh, let me say, there's some things you can't unsee in this world. And uh, I have now seen them. <laughs> and uh, it was shocking. And I'm turning and looking at Abby and seeing her a different light of, like, all the things she's about to do. And uh, one... They don't call it miracle for nothing, Chad. I know. The, the <laughs> amount of bravery and courage. I'm like, you're seeing this too? You knew this going in? Okay. Um, and, and so, man, I got a new respect uh, for Abby and what she's about to do in a few weeks. Respect to all moms. Yeah. I've, I've been yeah. learning a lot about the different colors of poop and what those mean. That's also, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the throw-ups and stuff like that. So reading books... Mm. And that's, yeah, I've been just in like a study session, you know, like it's about to be finals week, you mm-hmm. know, coming up. And, and you I'm, will forget all of it. <laughs> all of it. You will forget. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah. And you will wonder, you will wonder how, like, you'll wonder like, man, I, I let just, I let so, I wasted so much time <laughs> before. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't see you as a as a procrastinator or time waster, but no. but but I just I just think it never fails. Like, when, yeah, you become a new parent, you know, it's like 
because yeah, you, it's all about that new life and nurturing and caring, and then your time and every all your focus, everything it just shifts in a crazy way. It's it's amazing, it, but it's beautiful. It's amazing yeah, for all I, the jokes that we're making. I yeah. know, I know. I, I enjoy. I'm enjoying being the butt of all y'all's jokes, and just everyone <laughs> not, has not the, yet, Chad. Not no, yet. Everyone you, has the coming. same it's nodding coming. smirk that Vince has when they talk about. You know what's coming for me that I haven't experienced yet, and so that's it's like, why aren't y'all? Sh- what are y'all holding back? <laughs> I because you can't put it into words. It's just, okay. and I don't want to. I don't want to ruin or te- you know, like change. Yeah. I don't know. Like I don't want to influence. You know, it's like it's just gonna. It's that's why everybody gives you that because it's yours. It's gonna be your experience and. And so it's just like, yep, it's coming. You'll we'll hear Chad's unique uh, perspective and take on things. And I can't wait because like it's going to be some Season hilarious two. like breakfast uh, coffee meetings uh, with Chad. Uh, or they may never come again. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I know it took me a while to get back, get that part of my life back. Yeah, season two of the podcast will be Chad the Dad. It'll be, Chad the it'll Dad. Be different, pretty much a different co-host for you, I think. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, keep the, keep the knowing smirks coming guys. I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, where have you been? What have you been doing, man? This last couple weeks? Oh my gosh. Well, months now. I mean, it's been a couple months. So like, um, one of the, the things that I love that, um, that we've been doing at this church, I don't, I don't know. I think pastor Jenna started, uh, doing kind of a bit of a faith tradition, a new year tradition of kind of having us pick words or we can oh, yeah, choose a word, words, uh, yeah. star words. Um, and one of the words, uh, or the word that I p- picked, uh, was try, mm. which, you know, that's the name of this podcast, Boom. try faith podcast, trying something new. Um, and so, um, one of the things that I, uh, have been up to for the past couple of months is I was, I was in a play, uh, I was in a, a dramatic acting, uh, play. It's called uh, a few good men written by Aaron Sorkin mm. of West wing fame and, um, you know, Moneyball and uh, the Social Network, and uh, this is like Vince's Mount Rushmore of like people he'd want to meet. Aaron Sorkin's on on this this mountain, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. No. I, yeah. So this I, is a dream. He, he's yeah. uh, well, definitely, and definitely a dream to say his dialogue. Um, as a you know, as a musician, as a music kind of person, um, it's been really cool to hear people talk about this particular writer and his like kind of like Lin Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. like you know of. Uh, uh, Hamilton fame, um, and and his style, and, and he even says that his writing style, in a lot of ways, was inspired by this dude Aaron Sorkin, who wrote A Few Good Men, uh, like what twenty six or something like that, crazy twenty four, maybe even younger. I don't know, but um, p- actors say that his dialogue, the way he writes, it's very musical, mm, and it's a lot of um, quick, you know. Uh, uh, quick witty repartee, you know, between, uh, people and they have these long monologues and he, you know, in this play, he talks about, um, speaking truth to power and kind of, and and being, uh, you know, coming into your own, you know, as a person and kind of, you know, choosing to, to go after a, a purpose. And there's a lot of themes there and it's a father and son story and it's, uh, about friendship and about, uh, you know, all these different, uh, different things and so I got to play uh, it was also a film it turned into a movie of the same name uh, and pretty much takes its cues the film takes its cues from from uh, 
the play. And uh, Tom Cruise was in that movie, and Jack Nicholson, and Kevin Bacon, you know, and uh, Demi Moore, a lot of kind of A-list actors. And I got to play the uh, the role that uh, Tom Cruise uh, played um, in that in that movie, uh, A Few Good Men, of Daniel Caffey. Man, man, no small feat. It was cool, and you came out to see it, so thanks. Yeah, yeah, and I can just say, uh, one, you know, if you've ever been to the Pilot Point Theater, like, it's, it's really small. Shout out, really, Garage Door Theater. Yeah, it's really intimate, and so there's not a bad seat, and so you're just front row, center, experiencing it all, and you did an amazing job. Um, thanks to the amazing cast, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, you would not have guessed that, that was your first time doing that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. yeah, so it was a lot of rehearsals is the point, mm-hmm. and a lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of dedicating time. Thanks to charity for letting allowing me to to do that because there was a lot of weeknights I was away uh, doing rehearsals. Very scared I wasn't going to be able to remember any of the lines. Yeah, because it's a lot of it's a lot of dialogue. Aaron Sorkin is it's all dialogue. Yeah, you did a great job. And um, so that's where we've been. That's where we've been the last couple of weeks, and we're happy to be back. Um, and we're gonna you know we're gonna play a game. Before we dive into our conversation with Sigurd Chambers, um, because Vince is now an A-list actor on, <laughs> on the level of Tom Cruise, since he's played that character, um, it's I don't pretty simple. I think we can put him there now. Okay. Uh, we want to really display Vince's acting chops. All right. So he's he's brought uh, Lieutenant Caffey uh, to the podcast today, and he's going to deliver uh, a few lines for us to give us a little sample of. One, what maybe you missed um, oh out there in Pilot Point, and uh, then we're going to have some fun with it. So, Vince, whenever you're ready, uh, you want to deliver a Lieutenant Caffey line for the audience. One of the scenes that you said that you were excited to see me in was uh, the scene, there's a scene where, uh, so my character is a lawyer. He's a young uh, uh, JAG uh, attorney. And so uh, there's a scene early in the in the play where uh, my uh, superior officer is coming to kind of talk to me about a briefing about a case that I've been we've, I've been briefed at, and uh, and I'm playing softball. And I told Chad about this, and he, in true Chad form, he's like, "Oh man, you're in a play about baseball. I'll come see it." I think that's the only reason why he came to see it. He just. He was, was like, oh, it's about baseball. I'll be there. It's about softball. I'll be there. It's sports. There was a disturbing lack amount of sports in this play. I feel like I was very misled. I tried to be very upfront with you. I tried to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a scene from this. I guess, yeah. Are you going to be able to play, play it along with? I'll, I'll coach you. I'll, I'll see if I can coach you. All right, man on first, one down. Let's go for two. Hey, hey hit a few out to Sherby, will you, this time? Sherby, you got to trust me. Get, get your glove down. Come on, get some dirt with that ball. Uh, excuse me. Uh, no, uh, I'm sorry. One second. Uh, Sherby, you got to trust me. If you keep your eyes open while the ball's coming at you, your chances of catching it increase by a factor of 10. Hey, you want to suit up? Um, no, thanks. I can't hit or throw things. Well, that's too bad because neither can any of us. I don't know. Is that enough? That's probably enough. That's pretty the good. The scene goes on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, um, any actor can just regurgitate lines, but okay. a true actor has range range all right so i want to do the same kind of couple of lines okay again um but maybe do it in a different way so can we theme this so we're gonna we're gonna theme this one uh a pirate theme (laughs) okay all right let's see if i can do this this is a the the measure of a true actor (laughs) man on first (laughs) 
One down, let's go for two. Hit a few out to Sherby, we'll get this time. Sherby, you got to get your glove down. I don't know why I'm going Irish. <laughs> get your glove down. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can. Got to get your glove down. Sherby, get some dirt with that ball. Arr, excuse me. <laughs> One second. <laughs> Sherby, you got to keep your eye open while the ball's coming at you. <laughs> You got to trust me if you keep your eye open while the ball's coming at you. Your chances of catching it increase by a factor of 10. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was incredible. Okay. Um, but you know what? That's just Ooh, one facet good. of Vince. I think you can go deeper. Oh, okay. Um, you think so? Yeah. You think you could do like um, the same thing, but in a Cockney, kind of a Cockney accent? A British Cockney yeah. accent. You know my co- my the co-star my co-star in the play uh, Justine Wollaston. Shout out to Justine. She's an amazing artist. Uh, she's from South Africa and she has a very thick, uh, like British South African accent. And I saw her work incredibly hard to like to get an American, you know, accent. And it was it was just it blew my mind. And I have a horrible 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 horrible. <laughs> British accent. Well, let I'll, us I'll be try. the judge of that. Okay, <laughs> all right. I just, I just wanted to set it up softball style, you know. Hey, man off first, one down. Let's go for two. Uh, hey, get a few out to Sherby this time, will you? All right, Sh- Sherby, you got to get your glove down, yeah. If you keep, if you keep your eyes open while the ball's coming at you, your chances of catching it increase by a factor of ten. <laughs> That's, I don't know what that was. That was that was, in, that was incredible is what it was. <laughs> okay. That, my friends, is acting. Mm. And you just experienced Tom Cruise level. Wow. Wow. Thank you. The Thank you. Goes wild. <laughs> so without further ado, here is Sarah Chambers in our wonderful conversation. Take it away, Sarah. <laughs> We are here with Sarah Chambers. Uh, she is mother, wife, friend, confidant, and as uh, John McClarty, former pastor of faith, would say, the uh, resident Jew of faith. And so welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I guess to kick us off, let's just, we always do the background. We want to know where, you, where you're from, you know, what was it like growing up? Give us a little bit of the history, the origin story of well, Sarah. I have a very... Interesting story. I grew up in Allen before it was Allen. There was a little bitty town. Wasn't even on the map. Literally wasn't on the map. I grew up, you know, like any other kid, except for I was sick a lot. When I was two, I was, I had my meningitis, two weeks in a coma. <laughs> the doctors told my parents that there was an 80% chance that 90% of my brain would be affected. So that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, they were wrong. <laughs> and then, you know, I had open heart surgery when I was seven. So... I couldn't do a lot, but I still had a normal childhood. And before Alan was Alan, like, what did you do for fun? In uh... went to Plano. <laughs> <laughs> we rode bikes. We made forts and trees. We were out all day. Come home when the lights came on. Don't come home because your mom's asleep because she worked overnight, and we don't want you to wake her up. So don't even bother coming in the house. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good childhood. Yeah. What did, what did your parents do 
My father was a landscaper and irrigator, and my mother was a nurse in the ER, then ICU, and then moving patients. She put a pulled a disc in her, pushed a disc in her back, whatever, and so she had a back surgery. She went to NICU, and she was there for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. My Man. mom is an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. I yeah. learned a lot from both of my parents. I was very, very lucky. Yeah. How, how did you get... Um... I guess find your way over here to Denton and and uh, kind of that whole life transition to adulthood over here. and Or did you go somewhere else first? Well, I'm just wondering if I'm actually reached adulthood yet, but that's a whole other conversation. You too? Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. Well, we, my husband and I met, and we both worked in Plano at CompUSA Call Center, and a, a mutual friend introduced us. He lived in Louisville. I lived in Allen. When we got married, we bought a house out here. I don't know why, just this is where we were drawn to. I loved Denton. I've always loved Denton. Um, when I was in my 20s, my best friend was from here. He lived in Plano then, and we just come here every weekend and, you know, met a lot of people. I fell in love with the, the atmosphere. If you, once you loved Denton, you always loved Denton. Yeah. True. True words. And then I was looking for a women's Bible study. I didn't know. I wanted to learn. I was, well, I was craving to learn the Bible, and um, my daughter is the same age as Aiden Wiedemer. And they went to school together, so I knew Lisa through Mom's Club long, long time ago. And I asked her if she knew of a women's Bible study group, and at the time, they were meeting at Serena's house. And that's how I okay. ended up here. And then I started going to Bible study months before I ever came to the church. Gotcha. Okay. So when I got here, I already knew everybody, kind of, well, the women. Yeah. And of everyone because of the stories. So that's how you got connected to Faith was through that, that yeah. small group. Yeah. Man, the power of invitation, huh? Power of God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've experienced as, uh, you know, being at this church for a long time that you seem to always be in the kitchen, always around serving food, doing kind of a host mode. And uh, I'm just curious, like, where did that start and how that evolved over time to, like, this is where we usually find you. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually talking to somebody about this yesterday. I said, you know, the kitchen for me is a place of healing. Um, it's a place where I can go. I can be by myself. I can be in my own thoughts. I can be with my own self. And But for me, I don't know. I think we're all born with what we're supposed to do, you know. And I remember very specifically as a child sitting on my kitchen counter, opening the spice cabinet and just mixing spices together until it smelled good or I put it in with you know peanut butter or mayonnaise or water or whatever and I would try to make concoctions just because that's what I was drawn to and then you know my mom worked nights my dad worked days we cooked a lot of our own foods and you know my mom didn't really cook much so I didn't learn how to cook from her but you know I watched my grandmothers cook my Jewish grandmother and my Christian grandmother and I watched my Christian grandmother you know they all lived through the depression and they were from Arkansas and they grew their own food and you know she didn't have recipes she just threw stuff together so now I have she started writing things down I have my great grandmothers I have my aunts and her cookbooks that are all handwritten wow so yeah it's a very very special thing to me but as far as you know being feeding people and being in the kitchen. I'm a Jewish woman. That's what we do. We feed people. You know, and it's I was I was talking about actually chat nobody knows this with chat, but you know, I came up and I cooked for Not the youth for of, long. I know. I'm an open book. 
Um, I came up and I fed the youth the very first time we had dinner up here for youth again. And I was going through a rough time. It was a year anniversary, you know, of my mom's death. And it was, you know, somebody else. I had just come from somebody else's memorial. And it was just a very emotional time for me. And I, I came in and Chad was in the church in the back with a couple of youth boys. And I said, listen, I'm going to go in the kitchen. I'm going to prep. I'm going to cook. I'm going to cry. I'm going to pray. Just ignore me. He said, okay, thanks for that, Zach. That's exactly what I did. And I worked through a lot that day. And it was important. Because it's a, it's a place of healing for me. So when the I liked working here on Sunday mornings 100 years ago when we very first got here because I always got here the same time as the worship band got here. And I would open the kitchen door and I would just listen to them while I'm cooking. And it was just it was the perfect combination for me because as you guys just learned I'm, my love of music, I'm. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. But. I always love, yeah, I love seeing you in the morning mm-hmm. coming in, opening that door. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, we got got somebody listening, mm-hmm. so pay attention. And when it was good, <laughs> I was like, dang, good. y'all sound amazing. Yeah. And it was yeah. bad, I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> She just closed the door. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> it's a little pitchy today, guys. It's a little pitchy. Uh, yeah, but it's powerful. I mean, for food, for me, food and music, both powerful. So it was a good time. Both, I mean, healing, nurturing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they can, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. When yeah. I'm making my grandmother's, you know, sweet and sour brisket recipe, it takes me back to her house and the smells and the feelings. And the she wasn't a, my biggest fan. She didn't really like me all that much. But I loved watching her cook. And I loved watching her, you know, interact with people who she cooked for. Um, but same thing that music does. It can take you back immediately to a time and place and give you those emotions. So... that I, you know, talking about you coming in in the mornings and, uh, you know, helping out, uh, set the, out the snacks for the day and uh, on Sundays. Um, but one of the things that I, I still talk about to this day, uh, and one of the things we're preparing to do again, because now we're in the season of Lent and we're approaching, um, you know, Holy Week and um, uh, Monday, Thursday, or, you know, Holy Thursday, uh Traditionally, in the you know in Christian church, you know, kind of a, a remembrance of the of the Last Supper, uh, that whole that whole story, and one of the things that you did first, which I thought was really 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 special, uh, was that you helped uh, present a seder meal, a traditional Jewish meal, and uh, we were able to uh, experience you know the elements of a, of a traditional uh, seder meal, and then come to find out, yeah, that you you were raised Jewish. So could you talk a little bit about some of the, yeah, so you've mentioned your grandmother, some of the traditions, rhythms uh, of life that you remember from the Jewish tradition. So I'm going to kind of combine this with a couple of things. Um, Some of the traditions that I had growing up in my house. Now, my house, my first immediate family, right, you know, my mother, my father, my sister, we didn't go to synagogue. We didn't go, you know, practice the traditional traditions that most Jewish families you think of when you think of Jewish families, you know, it would be just like Christmas or, you know, Thanksgiving for you, for you guys, for Christians, you go to your family, you do the thing, you know, you spend the time together for Passover, for Hanukkah, for Thanksgiving, for whatever. And that's, that was our tradition. We get in the car, go to Oklahoma city, do your thing, come back. Um, 
but in my house, you know, I, I asked my father a lot of questions, and we'll kind of get into this in a little bit, but I asked my father a lot of questions, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm more of a theologian than, I'm, I'm less of a theologian, more of a historian, and that I found was interesting, because he used to study with a rabbi, like, on the days that you're not allowed to work, like, you can't open doors, you can't do anything. He used to study with rabbis, so he had a lot of the answers to the questions, he just didn't remember them because he didn't care enough. You know, it was part of his daily life, and it was it is what it is. I mean, do you remember every interaction you had with every Sunday school teacher you ever had? You know, and that's kind of yeah. where he was at. Okay. Gotcha. So, was yeah, so was there like, uh, would you describe it as kind of like uh, we have Easter and uh, Christmas Families and the Christian tradition yeah. is that, is that the, the, Chris, the, the submarine Christians the, they, they resurface e- twice a year. The Easter Christmas Christians, <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, I didn't go to a synagogue for Purim until I was in my twenties, until right before I met my husband. I know. I thought I didn't know it was a Jewish holiday. That's how uninformed I was. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand that being Jewish was different. You know, I, what kept playing through my head since. Chad and I spoke about this was, you know, you asking me what it was like growing up being a Jew was kind of like me asking you what it was like growing up as a Christian. How do you answer that question? Yeah. You know, you do what you do. It's part of your daily life. It's part of, you know, your makeup. It's, it's just part of who you are. It's not, it does, it's not what defines you, but it's part of what makes you. Right. Right. But did you, but now that, you know, when you get older, you can kind of compare a little bit to other people's families and traditions. Like what were some of the ones that kind of stood out to you that were different? Hanukkah would be the best because people, you know, go back to school after being off for Christmas break and they'd say, what did you get for Christmas? And every year, well, I didn't have Christmas. Why didn't you celebrate Christmas? Because I'm Jewish. Well, then what did you get for Hanukkah? Well, which day? (laughs) You know, these are the questions that I had and they were like, well, I don't care. Just tell me. And I'm like, well, I I, I can't. I need to. I'm a kid. Let me know. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember I grew up in Allen, like I said. It was a very small Baptist town. Um, There were two main churches, the Baptist Church and the Methodist Church, and there were two Jewish families. Yeah. There was almost, well, I was, let's just say I was one of the two minorities in that town. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody thought that I would be friends with the other Jewish family just because we were both Jewish. Right. No. No. I mean, that would be like you Mm -hmm. being best friends with, Somebody that you've never met just because you both went to A&M. Right. You know, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not the way it works. It's, it's not the way it works. It's not the way friendships work. No. <laughs> it sounds like, so it sounds like you had, it was a part of like your cultural experience, you know, your family experience. And it just kind of yeah. like a, it was a norm and it's just, hey, this is how we live. This is how we do things. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it, maybe it didn't register as unique or different or special right. until when, until or, or when did you start investigating or awakening to? So a couple other of things, things happened, and there's yeah. it's kind of a loaded question because there's several parts. My mother grew up Baptist. She grew up in the church. Every Wednesday she would go for Bible study. Every Sunday she would go for Bible study for church. She went for choir practice. She used to travel all over, you know, Oklahoma because that's where they, she grew up. And with her choir, and they would sing, and they would minister to the people and do all the things. And she said one day, because I always thought that she converted to Judaism because of my father. That's what I I grew up thinking. And I asked her one day, I said, you know, why, what what led you to this? What 
because it's backwards to me to say, you know, Jesus is my Christ, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but one day he's not. That doesn't make any sense to my brain. Mm -hmm. So she said that one day when she was in high school, she was out, they were out on mission trip and singing and ministering, and a child asked her a question that she knew the answer to, and she could answer, and she could answer, you know, without, you know, questioning her beliefs and her faith. She said, but all of a sudden she couldn't, she couldn't answer him. She said, I just couldn't tell him. I could not regurgitate to him what I knew I was supposed to say and what I knew I believed, but I just, something stopped me and I couldn't. She said, that's the very first time I ever questioned my faith. And so she went through, you know, she, she had lots of questions. She went, finished high school, went into college and one of her college roommates says, hey, why don't you come to my church this weekend? You know, instead of going home, going to your church this weekend, she said, okay. And she went to this new church, and she hadn't known anybody, and she said it was for the first time in her life she had ever seen hypocrisy in the church. And that really affected her because she knew what she believed, and she felt so strongly about it. And she had even more questions, and her questions changed, obviously, because she was more mature. And so she talked to her pastor, and her pastor said, why don't you go talk to, you know, a rabbi and see if you can get some answers about Christianity from them, which made sense to him at the time, I guess. I don't know this person. And so she did, and she started talking to a rabbi, and she said, I think, you know, this is is where God is leading me. And he said, I I understand where you think you are. He said, but I'm not going to help you do anything unless you agree to study with me for two years. If you study with me for two years and you still feel this way, then I will help you whatever you need to do. And she did it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That was before she ever met my father. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful. Is, okay. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Is that where they met? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> my parents met at a go-go bar. <laughs> was it the CBGB? No, that's in New York City, and it wasn't a go-go bar. <laughs> okay. Just bands. Small place. No, it was in Tulsa. <laughs> you know, the home of go-go. I don't know. <laughs> That's what they say. I think it's on the sign. Late when you, 60s, when early you 70s. In. What do you want? <laughs> That's, that was my mom's part, and mm-hmm. I always knew that about her. And then I guess early, I mean, when I was a very young child, I, I started having a lot of questions, you know, about my faith and, you know, what do Christians believe, what do Jewish people believe, you know, and I knew what I knew and I knew who to ask. But for me, it was, I just, I had a lot of questions about everything and people were like, well, what's it like being Jewish? And I was like, well, my, my faith is a little different than the traditional Jewish person or a Christian person. Cause I didn't necessarily know what that meant. Mm-hmm. I said, I have, I take a lot of the things that the Jewish people believe and a lot of things that the Christian people believe and merge them into what I believe. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I was at. And one day, I don't know, (laughs) when my husband and I met, I was not Christian. He was. And he started praying, God, why did you bring this woman into my life? You know, we're unequally yoked. This isn't okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why I I love her as much as I do. And you brought her to me and you, you know, you put us together and I can't marry her and I don't understand. And God basically told him that one of these days I was going to have questions. Everything was fine. You know, there's a reason I'm in his life. It's okay to get married because one day I will come to him and I will have questions and God's going to need my husband to be there to answer them for me. My husband went to Hardin Simmons, by the way. Gotcha. So he knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And for, for everybody that doesn't know, can you, that's, that's can you a Christian. Explain? It's yeah. a private Baptist university in Abilene, which Abilene is such a, it's such a hypocrisy. I love it because there's three universities, two of them are Christian, and a Budweiser plant right in the middle of both of them. <laughs> it's hysterical to me. So, gotta get your money from somewhere, yeah. Yep. Apparently, and ACU, which you know mm-hmm. kept Budweiser busy, but whatever, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> um, so I, you know, we moved here. I started going, I started having more and more questions, and I started going to Bible study, and then I started asking my husband questions, and he almost passed out because everything that God told him was going to happen was happening. And he was like, okay, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm prepared for this. So, what you were, know. What were some of those questions? Well, <laughs> simple things like, can you please explain the Holy Trinity? Because I don't get it. Simple yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Edit, edit that cough out. <laughs> yeah. Simple he, things, right? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, just anything... I don't even remember the specific questions that I had. It was just, you know. They would pop up like yeah, at the moment. And, and he would like, answer them, mm-hmm. you know, but he never, he never scriptured me. He never just popped off with what Leviticus says or what John says or Mark says or Paul says. He always answered them as a conversation. We had a conversation about it. But I just, I had a lot of questions. Um, and then one day my daughter and I, Jessica, Y'all don't know my daughter, Jessica Chambers. She's who I want to be when I grow up. Um, But she was young, like maybe two, maybe three. I remember she was still in a booster. She wasn't in a car seat anymore, but she was in a booster. And um, we were going to meet my husband for lunch at Campisi's in Frisco. And some song came on the radio, and it just hit me, and it hit me hard. And I just prayed, and I was like, you know, I, that was that was my moment of salvation. I was alone in the car with my daughter. There was a song. I told you music affects me. There's a song on the radio. Me too. Me too. I, no kidding. What? <laughs> and it just, and you know, I, I started praying. I was like, you know, Jesus, you got to help me. You need to fix me. You need to guide me. You need to whatever. And I remember very specifically in my head, Jesus goes, it's about time. Now we can get started. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, the Holy Spirit has always been with me, no matter what that looked like as a Christian or as a Jew, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. You know, mm-hmm. he just does, we don't talk about it until Jesus came along. Yeah. It was always God spoke to us or God spoke to Moses, to us through Moses or God spoke to us through, you know, whomever, your prophet, name a prophet. Right. Um, until he was really mad and then he talked to all of us at once. But that's... <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that's Old Testament. <laughs> but, you know, I still respect Torah, and I still think everybody should read and understand and study Torah. You know, the way that, that, that Torah is written is it's written in in parts. Man, at New Year, every year, um, Rosh Hashanah, every year you start over, and you read Torah from be- beginning to end every year, and you, you have sections that you're supposed to read every day, and every day that you read them, and every year that you read them, you learn more because you're not in the same place as you were last year. You're not in the same place as you were yesterday. You're not in the same place you're going to be tomorrow. So, you know, as your faith grows and matures, that's what that's what the Bible, no matter what Bible you read, that's what the Bible is supposed to do. It's supposed to guide you and help you no matter where you are then. Yeah. You know, God, if you pay attention, God tells you what to do all the time. You know, 
you can be riding down the street and look at a license plate and it says, you know, 311. And then you look at a billboard and it says 311. And then you look at something else that says John. And you look at something else that says John. And you look at something else that says John 311. And you should go probably read John 311. I'm just saying. It's got to have something to do with what you're going through right now and can give you guidance or open your eyes or whatever. Yeah. Tangent. No, no, that's good. You know, God's speaking and, and sometimes we're not, we're so in our zone and our flow and our yeah. routine that we don't see the signs, right? No, we, we don't. don't. We don't take time to listen. We miss a lot. Yeah. But, that's kind of how I didn't make a decision to switch. I uh-huh. think it was always there. I just well, it sounds like you're, you're adding, just you're, hit me. you're combining, and you're it's it's is adding to uh, to itself. You know, like I mean, you know. Well, there's this saying: once a Jew, always a Jew. There you go. You're not going to ever forget what you what your foundation is. You know, mm-hmm. and you know when I when I was asking a lot of questions and I was I was praying about it a lot. God told me He said you need to study your past. Before and understand it before you can move on to your future. And I think that's where the rabbi was with my mother. You need to learn about the past before you can make a decision about your future. This is the foundation. Torah is the foundation of Christianity. We just changed it a little bit. <laughs> you know, the things that God said were going to happen, happened, and things changed. They were supposed to change. That's the whole point. But once a Jew, always a Jew. I'm always going to hold... You know, those things are very important. There's a lot of things that I don't understand about Christians is why don't you celebrate Passover? It is the Last Supper, for crying out loud. <laughs> celebrate Easter, but you don't celebrate the three days before it. So... The next question is, how was this received by my family? I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell my family for a long time. Was there some shame or absolutely some fear not. about it? No, or? absolutely no. not. It just wasn't the time. And I prayed about it and I prayed about it and I prayed about it. I was like, God, make the pathway obvious so that I know what to say, who to talk to, so that it, you know, it it's seamless. And we were my family, my husband, my daughter, my son and I were all in Oklahoma City for I think it was Thanksgiving, maybe it was Hanukkah. I don't know. We were there for, you know, the traditional things. And my, I got up, and my husband was awake, and my sister and my nephew and my son had all gone out to breakfast, and my father was still asleep. So it was me and my mother and my husband sitting in the living room. And all of a sudden, it hit me. Oh, my gosh, this, this is the time. Now, now is the time. Now is the opportunity. So I told my mom, you know, that we had been baptized, because this was after we had been baptized. Mm-hmm. And... If y'all don't know, my son, my daughter, my husband, and I were all four baptized on the same day by John McClarty in Wow. At Geyer. Yeah. How special. It's been a minute. Yeah. Um, but I remember Emily McClarty walking up to me after after church that day and she was just bawling and she was like, That was the most amazing thing. You know, that's a really powerful thing. And I, I didn't it was I don't know, I guess I didn't see it like that because to me, it was the right thing. It wasn't necessarily a powerful thing. It was just the right thing. Yeah. So to see it from her perspective kind of changed things for me. Mm-hmm. But this was after we had been baptized. So we're sitting in the living room, and I told my mother everything. You know, we've been baptized and, you know, this. And then she looked at me, and she said, I am not the person that gets to judge you. She said, I don't care who you pray to. I don't care what you pray as long as you hit your knees and pray. <laughs> she said, you... You know, you know what you want, you know what you need, and you know where God is leading you, and I can't help you with that. 
She said, I can support you and I can love you and I can be proud of you. And that is my job. Wow. So it was very easy. That's, man, that's wonderful. My sister, on the other hand, bought me Jesus everything for Hanukkah that year. Hats, shirts, everything. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is a little extreme because she doesn't get it. She's a Jew to the core she and she's like crazy. A, so. Like you joined like the, yeah, the, Cowboys, the, the Cowboys fan squad and you know, you got to get your, your gear. So I didn't. Like like I said, I didn't really tell my 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 family until it it was it, wasn't, it was the it right wasn't time. Fear, it wasn't it no. was just just wasn't the right time. It just time. wasn't the right time. And, and how long how long did that take? I was just how long was that process before you like when you a year maybe two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it wasn't and like I said, it it I really left the timing up to God. It wasn't it wasn't something that I was ashamed of because I'm not ashamed no, of my yeah. faith, and it didn't change anything about who I am. It really didn't. Yeah. I mean, you know we're. We went for Passover, and as a child, you know, as you grow and you learn more things from childhood to adulthood, things change. The same things change. So as a child, Passover's, you know, how I kind of describe Passover is, you know, as a child, it was boring. We sat there for a long time, read a bunch of words that I didn't care about and I didn't understand. I had to read four questions, first in, in English and then eventually in Hebrew. I had to open the door for Elijah, and it scared me because I didn't know what Elijah was, and I thought somebody was coming through the door to eat me. So, you know, that was me as a child. And then I go into middle school, and I start listening to the, you know, listening to the Seder and listening to what the words are being said and listening to you know, the traditions, and and then I grew into high school, and, you know, I understand that we do this because God has commanded us to do this. You have to remember your past. You have to remember your history. You have to understand that Jews were persecuted, and that he saved us from that, and we need to remember how that feels every year. We need to eat the bitter herbs because our lives were bitter. It was bad, and we have to eat, you know, the sweet apples and honey, the harosa. And we have to understand that, you know, this is what God has provided us with now. You stupid people made stupid choices. It took 40 years, but we got there eventually. But, you know, the promised land is what was promised to us and that what was given to us. And we have to remember that, you know, bad choices lead to bad things. And God's promises will always, always, always be there and will always be answered. You know, and I understood that as in high school and as an adult, But then, you know, once I accepted Christ into my life, it became an entirely different story. Yes, we had to do all of those things, but, you know, it became symbolic. This was our lives until Christ. And now here is the promised land, although this promised land is kind of broken, but that's a whole other situation. But, you know, I saw Jesus sitting in the upper room, and I felt his emotions looking around at his disciples and knowing what was about to happen. And they didn't, you know, and he, he ate this meal with them and he washed their feet and he broke the matzah and he told, you know, he drank the wine and he said, this is my blood. This is my body. You know, that is what I think of now when I go through Passover, which my parents don't get. Well, my mom does, did, but my sister, my father, it's, it's not like that for them. It means something very different. Yeah. 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 Chad and I were talking about that actually right before we we got here at breakfast about um, just how amazing it is, uh, like God's amazing redemption uh, of taking a an empire that persecuted and 
killed Christians wholesale and eventually adopts it as its, you know, religion yeah. and enforces, <laughs> almost the other way, enforces Christianity on every after it, you know, killed everybody. Uh, just, it is, it is an extremely amazingly powerful story of, yeah, of, of God's hand moving in, in, in all of this, I think, you know, uh, evidence, uh, perhaps, you know, yeah. uh, for those of us that believe for, you know, on, you know, 100%, you know. For me, it's not just Passover. It's, you know, and I've been learning more and more every year, obviously, about where I come from and, you know, different holidays. Like Purim is tomorrow and the next day. Okay. Purim is the story of Esther. Purim is about, um, it's about giving. You know, one of the mitzvahs is just, well, actually there's three. You have to get drunk and you have to give something worth more than half pence. So you have to give something away to somebody else that has less than you that's more than half pence, which have a penny. Um, and the third thing is, is you have to give away food. So there's these cookies. I don't remember what they're called because, you know, there's these cookies and they're basically triangles and you put something inside, cream cheese or fruit or honey or whatever, and you close them in and you bake them and you give them away. And it's, it's kind of like Esther. It's it's the hidden gem inside mm-hmm. of this cookie. There's something inside of it that's hidden, um, which I thought was really interesting. So, you know, from each of the holidays, you have something to take. Um, this is generosity. This is giving. This is following commandments, you know, given, set forth to you before God. How is that a bad thing? You know, how is that a bad thing for me to incorporate into my life as, even as a child? Um, which didn't happen until I was in my 20s for that specific holiday. But, you know, something interesting about we have high holy days, okay? And the high holy days for Jews are the most sacred days. So we have Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, which Yom Kippur is the first, 10, 10 days later is Rosh Hashanah, okay? Then there's Rev Yom Kippur, which is basically Eve, Yom Kippur Eve, okay? And Yom Kippur is the day of redemption. You go and you ask for forgiveness from God for your sins for the year, okay? But on Rev Yom Kippur, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory serves me correctly, you have to ask for forgiveness from your fellow mankind. You have to ask forgiveness from someone that you have wronged that year before you can go to God and ask forgiveness for yourself, mm-hmm. which is powerful to me because God wants you to be right with your people before you can be right with him. It's all about forgiveness. You know, of course, grace comes in and, you know, you're always going to be forgiven and Jesus died for your sins. But at the time, that wasn't a thing. And I think that it's so important to live that every day. You know, if you've wronged somebody, you need to tell them you're sorry. You need to ask for their forgiveness because, you know, that's going to help cleanse your soul. You know, and I've so many times, you know, people have forgiven me and I'm, I'm the one who's having a hard time forgiving myself. God has forgiven me. These people are forgiving me. I need to move past it. But then you have Yom Kippur where you, you know, you list out all your sins and you said, this is what I've done. And you ask for forgiveness and the 10 days in between, Basically, the way that it works is God writes all of your all of your confessions in the book of life. Everyone's heard of the book of life. He writes it all down in the book of life. And then at the end of the 10 days, judgment is made and your fate is sealed for the next year. That's the beginning of the new year. And then you go all year long and you do your things. And then you come back to Yom Kippur again and start the whole thing all over again. And I think that it, that's just so important because... Well, I think it's weird that God needs 10 days to decide what to do with everybody, but, you know, that's, I didn't write the book. He did. Um, but I just, you know, I just find it, I don't know, it's just powerful. Like all of these different holidays and the high holy days and everybody, they're so near and dear. And this is why it's so important because, you know, 
being right with people, being right with God is, is it's so important. It's, it's where it's at. Sounds like it's a combination of one asking really good questions as yeah. you were growing up. It's a not throwing out, you know, things that were good. Yeah. Still, and it's just kind of all kind of bubbled together to form a really beautiful faith. And so, I guess you know, for people who are asking questions, who are exploring, like, is there you know some advice you can give to them? As that can be kind of a daunting thing to like ask questions about your faith. It you is. Know? And my, my first instinct is to say, trust yourself, trust yourself and know that it's your heart that's asking questions and not just your brain that's asking questions. And it's your soul that's asking questions and there's something missing or maybe not missing, but something that, you know, is there, but you don't know is there and you'd like to explore, you know, talk to somebody that you trust, you know, somebody that you know isn't going to make fun of you or talk about you behind your back, somebody that you trust, you know, whether it be a pastor or whether it be somebody on the playground or someone in your mom's group or, you know, your kid's teacher, whoever you feel comfortable, your best friend, your best friend's best friend, I don't know, whoever you feel comfortable with, talk to them, ask them the questions. And if you're not satisfied with the answers or if they don't know the answers, you know, study it together, find out together, find out the answers together. The other thing is, you know, trust God, pray about it, obviously, but trust God. And no matter if you agree or disagree with what he's telling you to do, do it. Because there's a reason that he's telling you to do it. You may not understand what that reason is. Like my husband didn't understand why God told him to be there when he, when I was going to answer questions, but he was there and he helped me. He was my confidant, but, um, learn, you know, like, this has come up so many times in my life. Learn from your past. Learn about where you are and learn about your past and learn about your faith before you can make decisions based on your future because, you know, the more informed you are, the better you're going to understand what's coming up next. You know, I could I could talk all day about the miracles of God, but two things that I have asked God very specifically, and they weren't easy things for, well, it's easy for him, but it wasn't, to me, it wasn't an easy an easy task, you know, my sister is not the most honest person ever. And, um, she's very manipulative. And I, I, I just, I, I had had enough and I, I prayed to God. I was like, show me the manipulation. Show me when I'm being lied to, you know, help me understand that she's trying to make me do something that I don't necessarily want to do. And from that point forward, every lie that has come from her mouth and every time she's trying to manipulate me, I see her in colors. I'm, she's surrounded by colors. It's weird. That's interesting, yeah. But now I understand, you know, and I can react to that, you know. Yeah. The second thing is, is I asked God a long time ago to, to allow me to be his mouthpiece when necessary. And that is a pretty scary thing. And I don't really think that I understood what I was asking when I asked that, but I know why I needed to ask that question. And I'm just going to tell you all this. Um, it's, it's a powerful story. When I was uh, running first meal, first meal is we used to go feed the homeless at first church Denton before they changed the, the gym into a sanctuary. Um, they had a big kitchen there and we used to four different churches from the area would take a Sunday. And I, I ran our Sunday. I was in charge of our Sunday. And 
I was at first meal one day and there was me and one other person left. It was after closing time, after everybody was supposed to have left. And I don't remember, maybe Chris Osick was with me. I don't remember. Somebody was with me and there was a man, a homeless man that was just mulling, milling about. He wouldn't leave because the doors were all locked. Once you left, you couldn't come back in at this point because it was over. It was time to leave. And, um, Maybe it was Serena that was with I really don't remember. There was somebody there, and, and the man looked at me, and, he, and I said, you know, it's time to wrap up. I've, I've got to go to church. And he said, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, I, don't, I want you to know that I'm not crazy. I said, okay. And he said, but I hear voices. And I'm like, okay, well, what are these voices telling you to do? And he's like, sometimes it's telling me to do bad things, and sometimes it's telling me not to do bad things. And he said, and I just don't, I don't really know what to do about it, but I can't live like this anymore. And whoever was with me came out and they said, you know, are you okay? And I said, you can leave. I'm okay here. You can leave. Because I felt very at peace at that moment. You can go. And they left. And that man and I said, his name was John. That's all I remember. And he, we, we talked for a long time and I don't have any idea what I said to that man. No idea what I said to that man. But I remember one specific part of the conversation. He, he looked, I said something to him and he looked at me. He goes, what did you say? And I repeated it. And he said, I can't believe you just said that to me. And I was like, why? And he said, because I see that all the time. He said, I see it here. I see it here. I see it in my Bible. I see it here. I see it everywhere. And I stopped. And he goes, and then you just said that to me. He said, I said, well, then maybe you need to pay attention to that. <laughs> Maybe that's what God's telling you to do. Maybe you need to follow that and see where it leads you. And I just remember when he left, I walked into what we call the necessities room. We collected, you know, hotel shampoos and soap and razors and not, you know, one-ply razors because, you know, safety. And I remember walking in there and I just hit my knees and I just started crying. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for whatever I just did for that man through that you just did for that man through me. You know, thank you for allowing him to be, be the, the mouthpiece that you needed for that man to receive your word today. And I just remember, man, that was, it was huge. That was power. That was powerful. Yeah. Forever changed. And, and then to have to hear to hear you talk about you know your mom and her ex- experience and her story and you kind of you know just the mirroring opposite, the yeah. opposite you know it's, it's just really it's it's really powerful to, to hear that and to, to experience that uh, along with you I'm just getting caught up I'm wondering if like you know um, you know Jesus being uh, who, who he was who he is to hear those stories to practice in, in, in that tradition of, of faith life that he was he's so tuned in um i don't know where i'm going with it i'm trying to trying to land the plane here <laughs> help, help me help me chad um, well, but just you know it's like that just that that i kept i kept coming saying the word poetry it's like it's just it's all it's circular it feeds unto itself and god is constantly speaking and if if we care enough to listen then he's moving, he's shaping, um, he's forming us, he's redeeming us. Um, well, and that's exactly why he wrote Tor the way he did, was because it's cyclical. You start at the beginning, you go all the way around every year, and, right, it, and it changes yeah. you, and it and it molds you, and, and, and it speaks to you and where you are, and it speaks to where you need to be. Um, you know, you were just talking about how Jesus, you know, John the Baptist, he was in tune to that. I think that, he, like with me, I've always been aware of God, and I've always paid attention to the things around me and listened to the lyrics and all these things. You know, not only was Jesus in tune with what 
he was doing and what God was doing, but he was preaching to the, to the pastors and he was speaking to the, the, the teachers at a very young age. He was so in tune that he, he knew it. I mean, so much that he could teach it. Yeah. Very young. And I'm sorry, but if I lost my kid for three days, I'd break out. <laughs> Just saying. I think Mary and Joseph were freaking out a yeah. little bit. Yeah. yeah. That's why we didn't hear about him again until the wedding. Right. So yeah. We finally. That was a long grounding. That was a long grounding. <laughs> you got <That's> in trouble. Right. <laughs> didn't hear anything. Didn't hear squat about him until much later. But yeah. 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 Well, I think I can speak on behalf of all of us that, you know, we see your faith in action, that yeah. it's not just for you, Sarah, that we get to experience it each week here with our, with our students and the way that you serve in the kitchen and, uh, you know, using that sanctuary uh, to bless others and, and radical uh, hospitality, oh, yeah, man. welcoming and nurturing. And I'm a caring. Jewish mother. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, on, on behalf of the whole faith community, thank you. Thank You're you for welcome. the way that you serve and, and live out, um, this faith that we now know more of. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot uh, you know, I grew up Jewish. People immediately think of one thing, and it, it really wasn't like that in my house. I can answer a lot of questions yeah. uh, that people have, but a lot of stuff I don't know, mm-hmm. which is why I've spent so much time researching, I, you know, like what Purim was when I didn't know it was even a Jewish holiday when I was younger. <laughs> you know, why, you know, I like people to ask me questions that I don't know because I can learn more about my faith and who I came from, where I came from, and where why I am where I am when I am here, you yeah. know? Yeah, thank you so much for uh, inspiring us that, that you are in a constant, it seems like, constant conversation with God, Absolutely. which is what <laughs> praying really is supposed to be and yeah. what we're kind of called called to do. Uh, so thank you for sharing uh, some pleasure. inspiration and some encouragement on that. Uh, definitely needed to hear that. Well, thank you again, uh, thank Sarah. You, Sarah. Yeah, so much. It's my pleasure. Us. Thanks for having me, guys. Man, that was an awesome interview with Sarah Chambers. She gave us so much, so much material. And uh, one, it was just a joy to hear her story and learn a little bit more that I didn't know. I know. I, I love it when a guest comes on and it's like you can just let them go and it's almost like we don't even have to be here because uh, so much of what she's saying. It's like you're hanging on every word. Um, I, you know, I know I was. Uh, you know, it, it reminds me of like, and I watch a lot of like clips of like, you know, like these late night talk show hosts that, you know, talking to comedians or whoever and you always love a guest that just like the host just sits back, doesn't say anything, and the guest just goes. <laughs> and they, you know, whether it's Robin Williams or Ryan you know, Don Rickles or whoever, you know, and they just talk, and and you're just enraptured with their with their stories. And uh, it was like that, definitely with Sarah. Yeah, and we got the history of Sarah today, the origin story, uh, if you will. And one of the things she shared was like the importance of history, like of knowing where you came from, of of exploring, you know, not just like uh, trying to find knowledge for the sake of knowledge, but like, what's the root? What's the root of where this comes from? To ask the questions to get to that, and yeah. and um, I know that struck a chord with you because I know you you're you're a history major. You were you were a history, not your undergrad is in history, yeah, right? Yeah, history major. So I know all of history. All of history. That's what that means. Every sing- that's what it means. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a history buff. I like to, to investigate history. In fact, one of my, I took one of, um, 
was it Strengths Finder? I don't know if you do. You, have you heard of Strengths yeah, Finder? Yeah, I've heard of. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's you know you you can take a, a questionnaire and uh, it's like a very lengthy kind of a thing, and it evaluates your personality, one of those kind of personality kind of things, and it evaluates your your strengths. And one of mine is um, is is context, and it really and it is about like history, like wanting to understand you know, what was, what came before, what is, and how that, you know, how that relates to you and your future and move, kind of moving forward. And, and I've always been, yeah, just fascinated with wanting to understand, you know, history and what was and uh, what, you know, what's going to be and how, how we are now, what's going to be, you know, coming in, in the future. Um, so, yeah, it was really cool to hear Sarah have that same kind of joy and, and spark and excitement for, for that and wanting to understand that and how, and how that has shaped and moved her forward. Yeah, like the man history and, and learning context for your faith is like so important. They go like hand in hand. And, uh, you know, I remember when I first became a Christian, like high school reading the Bible and you just read through it. And it's like, something just kind of go over your head and it's like, man, this is really boring. <laughs> Getting that numbers territory is like, Oh, it's hard to get through this right here. And, um, but it wasn't until I got to like seminary and started meeting Bible studies and people who knew like all the things around the stuff I was reading. I was like, Oh, now this is making more sense. And I'll never forget like my mind being blown in seminary when they just like, Hey, you know, there's like two creation stories in Genesis, right? Like, what? No, there's the one. I was like, day one, day two, day three, you know, all those things being created. Mm-hmm. And no one told me about it. There's the second creation story. And then Genesis 2, boom, right there. There it is. And it has a different order and a different feel to it. And it's like, you know, if you read the Bible of like, this is, this is God's word, this is very literal. It's like, okay, well then which one is right? You know, like, is, is it the first creation story? Is that the way it happened? Or is it this second one with talking about rivers and all kinds of different things. And, um, and, and what happened was, is like having some context around it, like who wrote these and why, uh, changed how I viewed that. And in the very first creation story they have the day one, day two, it's, it's structured in orderly fashion because it was written by priests. It was written as a, as a way to do worship as to day one, you do this and we celebrate this and you take time as you heard from Sarah about like the different ways that the Jews, um, kind of take the different separate days and really party it out. Um, it had that kind of feel to it. And the second story is very much like an oral tradition, one that's like told around a campfire by Grandpa Joe, you know? And uh, it's like the kids are like, hey, hey, how did all this come to come to be? And Grandpa Joe's like, well, there there's these rivers, and they came together, and then we got Adam and Eve and all this different stuff, and they were naked. And the kids are laughing, oh, my gosh, Grandpa Joe. Um, and so we these knowing the context of these two different creation stories, you know, it's like, okay, this can gel now with my faith, right? This is okay. Crisis averted. I don't have to pick which creation story happened and put my Bible at odds with each other. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, and, and those, those stories exist in other, even other faith traditions, uh, mm-hmm. even beyond Christianity. Um, and you know, a lot of times, um, uh, you know, people, uh, that, that, that are maybe discover that for the first time, you know, it can be a scary thing to, sure. to have the context presented, you know, the history, because that, that it, it, you know, it naturally, and it breeds more questions, right? Ah, uh, true. 
but it's but it's those it's so you know you get that information um the history you know the context uh but then you know it's like the questions bubble up and a lot of times people have sometimes the fear of that oh well this is you know learning about this or knowing more or having you know having this presented to me is going to shake my faith or destroy it you know um, you know, and those of us, you know, that are try- kind of been on this path a little while, we understand that, um, that, that deconstruction, mm-hmm. uh, period is, is, is always followed by the, the re- you know, the reconstruction, you know, it takes courage of, though. It takes courage it, to ask a question, yes, you know, it especially does. about something as personal as like faith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like, do you have an experience where, you know, in your, in your history of asking those questions or, or experiencing that and, you know, of somebody hitting you with that deconstruction process? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, in my own life, my own life, my own faith uh, journey, because um, I am Catholic, uh, and I uh, grew up uh, with a very Catholic upbringing, um, going to Mass every Sunday, you know, doing the, doing the whole thing, going to church, you know, uh, Mass, church, uh, service. And uh, but then, you know, in high school and kind of meeting, you know, going to like these different kind of Christian clubs and finding places that I could, you know, play the guitar and, you know, get, get my singing on and my praise on. Um, but, uh, and, and meeting different Christians and hearing about their, their experience, their, their traditions, their, uh, faith life. And then, yeah, having those questions like come up and like, Oh, well, why, why do y'all do this? Or then, or then being asked questions of me, you know? Which in turn is like, well, yeah, well, how come I don't know that? Or how come I don't understand that? Um, yeah. And so, uh, and then a lot of times there's there can be persecution with that too, you know, like, which I definitely, you know, I felt some of that. Well, you know, because, oh, well, you know, you're Catholic, so that that doesn't even mean you're Christian. Like, what, what, huh? Uh, actually, <laughs> let's talk about that, about that, about that. Um, so uh, it was really good um, uh, process of, you know, kind of, uh, deconstruction, reconstruction, um, going through that, uh, you know, process of being presented with, you know, something, a, a history or a context and asking questions, going and trying to find the answers, talking to people. And then I remember, um, fast forward to being, uh, a youth minister, uh, in teaching, being charged with teaching confirmation, uh, you know, in, in the Catholic church, um, and encouraging students in that, in the, in that class to ask the questions mm-hmm. and, how a lot of them had never been really even encouraged to ask questions, which, you know, I, I, I felt that was like, let's start there. Let's have a safe place that you can, hey, ask questions. And if I don't know the answer, we'll, we'll, find, we'll try to find somebody that does. Uh, but to not be afraid of, you know, of, of asking questions, um, because that'll, that'll help us. You know, I always think of that verse, you know, uh, you know, knock and the door will open, seek and you will find, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, it, it just never seems to fail, you know, when, when you can go through that process of, you know, being uncomfortable, being stretched, um, being vulnerable, uh, asking the questions, you know, um, asking God to help you find the answers or, you know, or, and through his people or through whoever, you know, you're, you're coming across. Um, there is new life. There is uh, hope. There's redemption. Uh, there's love. I mean, it, it's amazing what you, you come out with on the other end, I think, you know. Do you remember any specific questions that your students asked you? Uh, I'm trying to let me think. Uh, I've been I've been hit with like, are there aliens in the Bible? You know, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, ghosts. Like I mean, some some of them are fun, right? And then some of them are serious, like you know, why do good things or why do bad why things do happen bad to good things people? To good people, you know? and I've gotten that one yeah. too. Yeah. Um, uh, sometimes it, you know, definitely a, a lot of. 
a lot of Catholic, um, well, at least at that time, in that place, in that year, a lot of Catholic, you know, uh, Christians, they were asking about, you know, well, oh, well, are, you know, are we, you know, Christian? And so they're like talking about baptism, talking about the foundations, the origin of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, faith, drawing a line even from like as Sarah has, you know, has done and uh, uh, from Judaism to Christianity or to Catholicism, uh, yeah. talking about that, um, you know, really, I mean, that opens up so much just as that one question, you know, well, you know, are we, you know, what does it mean to be baptized? What does it mean to, to be a Christian? Um, you know, are we a Christian? Are we Catholic? Are we, you know, are we like, well, you're, you're both. You Yes. You know, um, but getting there, uh, yeah. brings a whole wealth of information, knowledge, you know, I think this is important of like meeting in community too, like where you can ask those questions in a safe place, like finding a safe spiritual community to where, I mean, there's a reason why, like, there's, like, <laughs> discussion questions in these groups, right? It's questions that ultimately lead us to a deeper understanding and a deeper deeper faith, right? It's history, context, questions, all these things are kind of our exploring tools uh, for, our, for our faith journey. And it's not something to be afraid of because, uh, you know, God's in control. He can handle this stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I remember, um, what was it? Uh, there's a... There's some. There's a documentary that I really like watching every year around Christmas time. It's um, it's called The Star of Bethlehem, uh, and this this lawyer, uh, Rick Larson is his name, I believe, and he talks about um, using software, astronomy software, to find you know, uh, and and using the Bible uh, as as the, the the clues to find the, the quote unquote Star of Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Which, in, in his hypothesis, as he puts forth, it, it, it's a, a bunch of different celestial um, happenings, and anyway, it's extremely fascinating. But one of the things that I really liked that he that he said that uh, re- has stuck with me is he said, you know, that if you, if you know when you ask questions, he's like, you find out that you know it, when you press faith really hard, you find out it can it can take it, like mm. it can stand, it can withstand it, like it can withstand all of your questioning, it can it withstand a rigorous, um, you know line and reasoning and it actually it'll hold up and it'll it'll blow you down on your feet and and make you get on your knees and i'm like i'm like wow dude okay yeah and so it was really it was really you know powerful for me to to hear that and kind of see that i'm fascinated by astronomy and those you know kinds of um happenings you know in the bible you know god uses the natural world in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways to speak to people uh all throughout the bible and the stories so it was neat to kind of see um the marriage of of science and history and you know and facts and what was going on in symbolism you know to the people and how that and just the marriage of all of those things coming together uh it was really powerful and then to hear him say hey no it can take it you know our faith can take being pressed upon really hard and being questioned um yeah that was really cool that's beautiful yeah our god's big enough right (laughs) right one of the other things that came out of you know sarah sharing was just taking her story as a whole like there's this Methodist idea of grace. We talk about grace and love a lot. Those are our, our like favorite words that you'll hear in sermons and around Bible studies and stuff like that. And it's because it's like those are the, some of the, the language we use to understand how God's working in our life. And uh, teaching confirmation in a Methodist church, uh, there's these three ideas of grace that kind of help us label the different movements of God in our life. And the first one is prevenient grace, and it's basically the grace of, like, before God, or, like, before we're aware of it, God is active in our lives. 
And so you hear that in Sarah's story of like, you know, I've always been aware of the Holy Spirit. I've always, you know, um, you know, I've always felt like I've been, you know, asking questions and all this different stuff. You can see, you know, the things moving and coming together of God working in her life before she even has that like aha moment. And that's the, that's the second grace is justifying grace where you have the aha moment of like, you kind of connect the dots and realize, oh my gosh, God's been at work in my life all along. And I'm going to, I want to do this for real now. And mm. and so you kind of like, you know, accept Jesus and try to live a life of faith. And, and the third grace is kind of exploring all that. And it's called sanctifying grace, right? It's just the idea of exploring this faith, asking questions, doing the context, doing all this different stuff to, um, you know, live it out. And, uh, and so those, I kind of see that in Sarah's story, right? These, these three different movements uh, that I think we could all kind of identify with if we kind of take a look at our own faith journeys and we might be somewhere along that way, you know, of, from between prevenient and sanctifying and maybe sometimes it's a spiral, right? We go between all three of them. <laughs> What's that? Uh, uh, the, the strip, the Mobius, a Mobius strip. You've never heard of a Mobius strip? No, it sounds like a, like a final boss in a fight. <laughs> anyway so a mobius strip uh taking yeah, an example of can be taking a strip of paper given at one and a half twist yeah then joining the ends to form a loop its boundary is a simple closed curve which can clear little bit simple closed curve which can be traced by a single unknotted string cool anyway mobius so sarah offered herself as a as a resource as a place of question but some of the things that you know she offered to us was you know finding trusted people around you a safe place to ask your questions, to explore um, your faith. What else did she share? Uh, to, yeah, find, no, I think you covered it. I mean, find trusted people, ask your ask your questions. Um, yeah, to not to not be afraid, which is that's a very biblical thing to say to somebody. Right. right. Do not be afraid. Um, you know, and and to do that and to and to engage in that process. Yeah, Cur- curiosity is a is a beautiful thing, and so. Um, you know, following in Sarah's example that she shared with us today of, of just being an open book, um, you know, we we pray that you're able to do the same, that you're able to ask those questions, explore, and know that this is a place you can do that. Um, and uh, there are many other ones around here as well. And so we, we hope you find that and uh, feel free to reach out if you, if you need uh, to be connected to a place like that. We'll be happy to help you guys. Yeah. Give it a try. Give it a try. I'm Chad Siegel. And I'm Vince Lujan. Asking you to give faith a try. Give it a try. On that third day Before the sun rose up And the calm quiet still dark Your stone was rolled away Your life restored Redemption left its mark Resurrected No longer in the tomb Hallelujah Let every heart make room Resurrected You raise us to new life Hallelujah Redeemer of our life